This is JFM Podcast. Good morning to you. It is indeed a wonderful Wednesday morning, the 11th day of November 2020. It is the midweek. And uh, as we say, health is wealth. And uh, everything that concerns health is of utmost importance to humanity and uh, to Nigerians. As it is, we uh, care about our health oh so much. And, uh, well, uh, millions of Nigerians. Now, the nation uh, has moved past the worst of the coronavirus. But this is even uh, if the virus is real, some are saying. And uh, in, the, in the first place, many are still arguing concerning this. And we'll talk all about this after months of lockdowns uh, with attendant economic downturn, the job losses, rise in domestic violence, health emergencies, coupled with the biting hunger. Uh, well, things appear to be uh, slowly returning back to normal. But then we have the Yuletide fast approaching. Nigerians are now reckon, is it safe to let our guards down. We are seeing that hands are no longer washed. Often face masks are almost forgotten. Mass gatherings are no longer a problem. Parties, weddings, even protests are back on the cards. Now, uh, many are also saying it could just be a matter of small time before this comes back to bite us even harder and more devastating this time. And Twitter handle like uh, warning uh, health experts are warning uh, that uh, as it is happening across Europe and the U.S., mm-hmm. the dreaded second wave of coronavirus has commenced. And uh, for this reason, I will be discussing uh, this morning, we'll be taking a look at some issues, the second wave matters, the malnutrition amid COVID-19, the protests uh, amid the pandemic, the latest developments in managing COVID-19, and the race for a vaccine. Uh, recently and globally, uh, they have been over 49 million confirmed cases of COVID-19 globally as at uh, November the 6th over 32 million people have recovered and the number of deaths over 12 million. Uh, we've also seen that uh, nine most affected countries have 65% of the burden, the global burden and uh, well, for many months now, the Presidential Task Force on COVID-19 have been urging Nigerians to abide by preventive measures against COVID-19. And there is an added concern. Some people are refusing to take tests on arrival in the country. Lagos is warning of a second wave, possible lockdown measures. And uh, my guest this morning, uh, to shed more light, we have some experts right here in the studio uh, to let us know what is going on concerning COVID-19. 
and we do know the importance uh, of health experts as it has been nurses, doctors, or everybody has been carried along, being that uh, it is the first time we're seeing uh, something like this in a very, very long time. And uh, we have in the studio this morning, Nurse Messi uh, Lenka, and uh, she is the national from the National Association of Nigerian Nurses and Midwives. And we also have Mrs. Grace Lagnap, and uh, she's also from Joss University Teaching Hospital. And we have also with us uh, Dr. Solomon Cholom, who is a virologist. Thank you for joining us, uh, Dr. Solomon Ch Cholom. Welcome to the show, all of you. Thank you. All right, uh, let's get uh, into the matter this morning. Now, the reports that people are, are refusing to take a second test. What is the implication of this? What does this mean? What can we begin to do? Because uh, we may just be here doing the best we can, and other people can come and change the game for us. So let's hear from you, starting with you. Uh, let's, ladies first. Thank you very much to... Correct. I am Nurse Victoria Samson Bayi. I'm standing in for Nurse Mercy Lenka, who is unavoidably absent. And you know, every disease has its meats. And in meats, in the disease theory, every individual has what he believes in. And um, people tend to disbelieve uh, facts about every disease that comes around. When we take uh, from history, when we take from biblical um, perspectives, we look at um, where diseases are related to sin. That if uh, you sin, uh, some certain diseases will come upon you. And this has come over time that people look at uh, diseases as uh, whether true or false. And it is not exception with um, uh, COVID-19. So many uh, disbelief and rumors and myths here and there concerning about uh, All right, Dr. Solomon Chalam, what can you tell us concerning this? I mean, we are look this morning we're looking at the role of health workers in combating COVID-19 and towards attaining universal health coverage by 2023 in the midst of the imminent second wave of COVID-19. Yeah, so um, yes, the fact that people are beginning to um, get disenchanted with some of the activities, especially with the second testing, has to also do with our body language here in this country. We have seen, you know, um, the seeming lack of responsibilities from some of our leaders, the non-adherence to, you know, protocols. So um, why should you, you know, insist that people test? You know, in that sense. So um, that attitude uh, uh, from the leaders has has kind of created, you know, some sense of disbelief as far as the general pop uh, yeah, the people are concerned. So, but if you also look at it, most most times, this test on um, yeah, the test for uh, the people that are traveling is not done free. People pay for it, and most times. You know, we had the other time that people pay almost 40,000 Naira mm. to have this test run. So if you bring into light the financial implication, is something that people would want to run away from. And um, lastly, it also has to do with our own system here in the country. 
if if we had set up, you know, um, um, testing sites, especially at the um, airports and other places, you wouldn't need to run after people to have them tested. Their samples would be collected right on time, and that would be done. So until our system is optimized, some of these policies would not, you know, readily fall in place. Uh-uh. Wow, so that means, uh, okay, you want to say something? Okay, I also want to add that um, our religious leaders are not also helping us so much because, you know, some of us believe our, we believe so much in what our leaders see. So when either the Islamic leader or the Christian leader sees he does not believe in COVID-19, you find out that oh, he can pray to God to yes. just heal, yes. heal you. You hear people saying you don't have faith. Hmm. Why should you go about testing for COVID-19 or getting the precautionary measures? In order, so we tend to, to to put more efforts in what our leaders see. So if the leaders can go come out and make it known to people that this is real, abide to the rules, the principles of COVID-19, so that you'll be safe. It will go a long way to curb this incident, and then this second wave will not even be here. People will not be cautious of everyday living and be sure of putting things in order so that we don't come down with this second wave. Hmm. So should the uh, religious leaders have been carried along on this fight against COVID-19 from the get-go? I mean, we're talking about insecurity. They say oh, the traditional leaders should have been carried along. Mm-hmm. Talking about COVID now, we're, talking, we're looking at religious organizations because of the uh, what they serve. They serve as first points of call for many people who are distressed and all of that. So should they have been carried along from the get-go? Yes, they should have been carried along from the beginning. Hmm. All right. Now, um, Dr. Solomon, is there a requirement when someone leaves a foreign country to come to any country or to come to Nigeria specifically? Yes, there are such uh, regulations. First and foremost, you have to you know, present with a negative COVID test. And um, not just that, you have to you know, be uh, known to have any of these uh, symptoms, you know, that are more of the signature for the disease. So um, most countries, what they do is that they test, you know, um, um, just before you uh, board the next airline. And, you know, uh, most times this test is done, you know, like 14 days before the date of departure. And then, you know, just few few days before you leave the, uh, uh, the country. So, but in view of the fact that the people may also be in their incubation period, there is also an advisory that upon arrival, you also have to test, you know, um, then much later after a week or two. So um, the protocols are well laid out to ensure safety. But like I have stated, the compliance is the issue, especially for us in the country where, you know, issue of, you know, systems that are working, you know, are not readily available. Mm. So talking about a second wave, what is a wave and what is a second wave? What are we talking about? Just so that the listener out there can understand in simple terms, we're talking about a second wave. When was the first wave and now there's a second looming wave? What can we do? But what is the second wave about? Okay, so a wave has to do with a spike in, you know, the, um, the incidents as far as the outbreak is concerned so if 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 you follow the curve you will realize that some sometime between 
August, September, we hit a climax as far as you know the uh, records of of cases both both in this country and elsewhere. And then uh, within September, October, there was you know a decline. So um, um, that stood as the first wave. So the second wave is anticipated not just for the uh, coinage, but because you know the past um, the past uh, history of um, such outbreaks has also shown that when when people you know. Um, um, uh, lower their guards as far as the protocols are concerned. You know there is a resurgence of the virus or or of the pandemic. So um, looking um, uh, at what is happening, especially in the uh, uh, in Europe, in America, elsewhere, they are already experiencing, you know, the second wave, or uh, you want to call it a spike in cases. Um, UK, as it stands now, they are, you know, in another round of lockdown, and you know, the cases in um, most of these um, uh, the uh, countries in Europe are also on the rise. But for us here in Nigeria we are not really seeing that and also it does not go to show that we are having a different story you understand that we have just experienced issues of NSARS lockdown in places and that has largely slowed down efforts around you know uh, surveillance sample collection and testing so whatever we are coming out with you know as uh, the um, uh, data on a daily basis is is a reflection of our lowered actions around the response as it were so um when you look critically also you go out you see that a lot of people are not keeping to the protocols no wearing of face masks no um, restrictions in gatherings you go to churches you know people are just you know doing whatever they feel like you go to you know most the same thing and also with the opening up of the economy, schools have come back to you know uh, stream you know and all of that. So meaning that human to human interactions you know are are more more like on the rise. So with these interactions, we expect that um, the um, transmission of the virus is going to assume a new dimension, and there may likely be the second wave that we are talking about. Okay, to add to what Doctor has just said, you know the virus does not go to sleep and human beings lower their standards and the virus keeps on multiplying and if it multiplies it will have to look for um, another host that it will attach itself and continue its um, activity. You see that human beings, the psychology of the human nature, they will assume and tell themselves that's a way of uh, um, self-motivation uh, or what. They will mm. say um, corona is gone, mm. but the virus is there. 
is going silently and is increasing its activity, just like the HIV virus. When we had the HIV virus, you know the virus has a way of uh, mutating. mutating itself, mm -hmm. and this can increase the um, the possibility of increasing the infection rates. All right. Um, now let's still look at uh, sample uh, testing or sample collection at uh, testing centers. FG was to establish 774 sample collection centers. How are we doing with that at the moment? Yeah, so um, one of the positives as, as a nation that we will talk about with respect to this pandemic is the fact that it has given us uh, platforms for testing. Um, when the pandemic started, we, we had basically um, just four, four molecular biology laboratories, as it were, that could test you know, some of these highly infectious diseases. But, In the whole um, country? Yes. As at that time, you remember we had cried here even mm, you know, a number definitely. of times mm. that uh, we were taking our last fever samples down to um, Irua. Um, yeah. So um, mm. that... That was not healthy because um, you look at the, the the number of states you have to you know cross you know and and if if those samples were not well packaged it puts you know many people at risk both 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 within the uh, uh, vehicle and you know you know in the state so um, we have been being able to expand testing points. But the big question is whether we have expanded testing capacity. Hmm. These are two different things. Now, having this, testing points <coughs> is one thing. Having testing capacity exactly. with the testing points is another thing. Exactly. All right, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, most of these testing sites, they are they are not operating at their full capacity. Hmm. The reason is that not. Not much, uh, you know, samples are collected to keep them on the run. Mm. So it also makes makes not much dif difference that um, we have these facilities. Testing centers. Okay, but I thought they said they were going to come house to house. But have you seen them come to your house? No, not at Great. all. So that's, that brings But some budget has been allocated for this already. Certainly, a whole lot. So, mm. but as it is now, a lot of activities around that has gone down. The people in testing centers, the people in treatment uh, I mean, centers, if government their relaxes, is down. What do you expect from the citizens? Exactly. Because they are the ones leading. So if they relax, generally we are following our leaders. So if they relax, we will relax alongside them. But then here are the health experts and the, 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 the administration is not a health administration. So I, let's go on. I have a burden. Something bothers me. Mm. We're talking about the spike. We're talking about the testing. Mm. And schools have opened. Now, what I kept thinking, asking myself is, government has gone ahead to give schools the opportunity to open schools, the proprietaries of different schools, both the government and the private. If we are not talking about the preventive measure, then we will definitely spend money in the testing. Now, if more pressure will be put on prevention, the primary intervention of COVID-19, will have less Hmm. of the secondary, and which the secondary has to do with the testing and the treatment. Which is more now, expensive. Take, take, take a census. Go around all the schools that have reopened. Check if they are sticking to the COVID-19 measures. And then find out if they have a school nurse. Hmm. 
This is, you know, the thing is, is they did all of these things before the schools resumed, and now that the schools have resumed, it's been a while, they should probably go back again and see how they are faring for monitoring, sake and data. Yes? yes? Yeah, right. you know, um, where we will fail is in the area of monitoring and evaluation. Mm. You know, you can say something on the media, you can say something on paper, but when you fail to evaluate, when you fail to supervise, you will not be able to come up with uh, lacunas, that is areas that uh, there's failure. Like for the Ministry of Education, there are supposed to be a monitoring and evaluation unit that they are supposed to go to these schools and see for themselves, if these schools are uh, complying with the rules and regulations that has been laid by the um, COVID-19 protocol uh, units, and you discover that so many things are not there, how many schools do we have? How many um, school nurses? How many schools have school nurses? How many schools have a sick bay? How many schools have come up with uh, the hand washings, the sanitizer? I know some schools are doing very well. They, they have asked the parents to provide their awards with, um, with face masks, like five, some say three, then hand sanitizer. They have come up with that. But is the government monitoring and evaluating these protocols they have laid? Hmm. All right. Now, um, talking about the role of health workers in combating COVID-19 and towards attaining universal health coverage by 2030 in the midst of a second wave. Talking about roles being played. Now, why did the WHO declare the year 2020 as the year of the nurse and the midwives? And what role have you been playing? Okay. Um, the year of the nurse and the midwife, 2020. Yeah came up as um, a way of trying to encourage nurses and midwives to raise their profile and their standard to the whole world to understand their role. Generally, even before the COVID-19 era came in, we needed to make people understand what we do as nurses and midwives. Yes, there's and always then, been that blurry line where people think a nurse is a doctor, a doctor is a nurse. And oh, that is a topic that pains me so much. <laughs> <laughs> so the, 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 the WHO, the International Confederation of Midwives and National Council of Nurses in, came up together and decided, let us come up and encourage nurses and midwives this year, 2020. Because if you want to attend the universal health coverage of 2023, uh, 2030, 2030 rather, sorry, 2030, mm. they realized that they don't have enough nurses mm. in the field to be able to come up with this, to achieve this goal. Statistically, they said globally, we have 22 million nurses and 2 million midwives. So looking at it and analyzing, we were like, if we need to come up with, to, to achieve this universal health coverage by 2030, then we must have more nurses and midwives to go into the treaties of government, the federal, the states, and the local government, which is the grassroots. So by so doing, we were like, let's encourage people. People need to know what nurses do. People need to know what midwives do. People need to know so that people, some people can even come into the field. Mm -hmm. We need to, because there's, there's an evaluation that by 2030, there will be 9 million shortage of nurses. And so if we are trying to attain health coverage and we are going to have shortage of we're going to have shortage of nurses, then how do we attend this? So it's a way of encouraging nurses and midwives. So they came up with the year 
2020 to be the year of the nurse and the midwife. Mm. So what is this universal health coverage about, Dr. Solomon? Yeah, so universal health coverage, you know, hinges on three stuff. The first is accessibility. The second is affordability. And the third is availability. Mm. Now, this goes to show that healthcare services must be accessible by all. Now, if you look at that word, accessibility, and you look at the spread of healthcare centers, the spread of healthcare workers from our rural areas to the urban, you will realize that there is an, an imbalance. Then you look at affordability. What is the economic you know, strength of, of the average you know, person in the rural area? in the urban area can they afford a ct scan for example can they afford you know the basic minimum bouquet for healthcare service you know that is a big no so what universal health coverage is out to achieve is to ensure balance the uh, airlines when they have headache they will not even treat it in this country and the man in the village when he has headache, he doesn't have 500 naira even to just run a test. So you see the, the imbalance. So universal health coverage is to strike that, that balance, that the you know, experience of, of any healthcare worker that perhaps is in youth, it should also be the same experience of of the healthcare worker in the primary healthcare center in my village to be able to accept the delivery of, of a pregnant mother to give, you know, counseling, you know, to the uh, women there, you know, with regards to family planning, you know, and all of that. So the um, essence of it is to ensure that we are able to control diseases even at the micro level before they snowball into the so-called pandemics we are talking about. Hmm. All right, more on that uh, in a bit. But now let's look at uh, in the midst of this pandemic, what are some of the roles that nurses and midwives have played in the fight against COVID-19? Thank you, Zoe. Um, you know, the role of the nurse is to care for the nurse, to, for the patients, or uh, the clients. Clients meaning that they are not sick, but they need your services to help them health-wise. And to add to what uh, my colleague has said, that's Grace Ranap, you, the World Health Organization have identified the role that nurses have played in the health sector. And they came up with this um, mind that uh, the nurses should be celebrated. And it commemorates the 200 years of Florence Nightingale, who is the founder of Modern Nursing. And they decided to uh, give us this um, year, year 2020, not knowing that 
corona was mm. coming in this year and it was really a challenging year for the nurse and you have been celebrated as a nurse you have a role to play in the health sector and here you are with uh, a challenge of coronavirus meaning that you yourself you are not exempted from even the coronavirus because you are a human being the coronavirus goes with human beings and talking about the role of the nurses you um, you have nurses as educators, health educators. They educate. The people in the villages might not understand, but the nurse will bring it to their level so that they will, she will explain to them and tell them the causes, the preventive measures, the symptoms to look out for. That is one of the role of the nurse. And another role of the nurse is advocacy. She advocates, she stands as a bridge between the, the government, other sectors, and the patient who are the consumer of health services. And this nurse speaks out for the patients or the people where they are not able to speak for themselves. You cannot, uh, you can imagine gathering the people in the 17 local government of Plateau states that they are going to the government house. But the nurses are there with their leadership. They are closer to the grassroots. They understand the, 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 the plight of the, these people and they table it before the patients so they act as advocacy to the um, patients and they, 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 they care for them. They, 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 they render services, they care for even the sick. So they take care of the well and the sick at the same time. Mm. That is why the World Health Organization gave us this um, team. Mm. Uh, health for all nurses a voice to lead caring nursing the world to health hmm. that is we are nursing the world to health. to health all right how much in this pandemic have the nurses been carried along let's just start to look at the plateau okay um let me also add to this you see when you're talking about nursing profession you're talking about nursing as an autonomous or collaborative profession that does that handles the care of a patient or a person at all ages either sick or well now for the for the period of this pandemic three three, three levels three levels of approach were used we have the primary level the secondary level and the tertiary level the primary level had to do with the prevention which was all about awareness 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 to that extent, in the plateau, I would say the plateau government tried because the committee that was formed had both nurses, doctors, pharmacists, lab technicians, and everyone inside. So nurses formed the committee, and they came up with different strategies on how to go about this, both the primary, the secondary, and the tertiary um, approach to the pandemic. Now, nurses, you find out that anywhere you find yourself as a nurse, you're supposed to exhibit the function of a nurse. So they did more of the awareness, like my colleague have said, in, in, in the neighborhood, in your family, in your organization, anywhere you find yourself, you teach people about COVID-19 and the, the measures to take. Now, the secondary level is where nurses were hit the most because they are the ones that spend most of their hours with the patients there. Now, secondary intervention here talks about the treatments you give, the diagnosis and the treatments you give. So any patient that has been diagnosed of COVID-19 is admitted. Juice, for example, was the first line 
until when it got filled, filled then they were taken to Plateau Hospital. So you find that the nurses were at risk. They were at the forefront of taking care of the patients with COVID-19. So in this place, we'll say, if the government does not provide enough PPE, the nurses cannot function much. But if there's enough equipment to safeguard the nurses, then they can do more of their job in the treatment mm. of patients with COVID-19. All right. I was asking the ratio, of, the ratio of nurse to patients on the plateau. How are we doing? Do we need more nurses? Do we need the government to bring in more nurses? What's going on with the ratio of... Of course. Uh, recently, there was a lockdown of some wards in Plateau State Specialist Hospital because of lack. You know the nurse is with the patient 24, 247, mm -hmm. meaning that all round, the nurse is there with the patient. That is why we run shifts, we run calls, that you are by the patient, you are the custodian of the ward where the patient is talking about the tertiary and the secondary, mm. even the primary. So do we have enough nurses to no, go around? No, we don't have So nurses. what can the government do about that? Employ. Mm. You have to employ, to educate. That is training and retraining. You cannot just say that the nurses should come from the school and you just uh, send them to work without retraining them. They have to be updated with uh, the current train of events mm. globally. So All the right. nurses must, the government must employ more nurses on the plateau. Hmm. All right. Uh, the WHO has declared the year of the nurse. That's the year 2020 as the year of the nurse and the midwives. And we are looking this morning at the role of health workers in combating COVID-19 and towards attaining universal health coverage by 2030. And we're asking you this morning, how do you react to the news of people coming into the country and refusing to take a second test? What do you see as the implications? And for anyone found flouting COVID-19 regulations, what what do you suggest as a deterrent or punishment? Is coronavirus real to you? What questions and concerns do you have? Connect with us this morning, 90 places 99 and 090-988-48848. Hello and good morning. Hello, good morning. All right, you can contact us. You can also reach us on any of our feedback platforms. On Facebook, it's www.facebook.com forward slash JFMJOS, Instagram and Twitter at JFMJOS. Good morning. Hello, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. My name is Sadiq Umar. I'm calling from Tisha and Junction. Go ahead, Sadiq. Yeah, your guest has spoken well on this issue of health and relating the world with this COVID 19. And the way people are coming to the country without the test, it is very, very risky. Seeing the COVID-19 in the European countries now, there is a lot of increase in the uh, those that are positive with the COVID-19. But coming to Nigeria or Africa in large, COVID-19, the people did not take it as serious as it is. And the problem is from the government. The way we have the enforcement of the uh, protocols, uh, the guidelines, we don't have any enforcement. Like this face mask now, nobody is wearing face mask, and the government is not even updating. And the transparency of the, uh, the way government is handling the issue like this, all our nurses now, we do not see how the government has helped them in terms of their uh, allowances for this COVID-19. And coming to the palliative that is supposed to help the uh, people with the COVID-19, that's what people 
people will not believe in this community entirely in Nigeria. But without outstanding, we uh, in Africa, we have to know that this COVID-19 is something that is very, very serious. But apart from COVID-19, let's look at our health entirely. Our health system in Nigeria is totally left behind because we don't have any health structure that the people will be uh, healthy in the environment. Because our health workers now, they are suffering with a lot of financial problems and the government, government is not doing anything about it. So we are just calling on Nigeria to have a system that will upgrade the, the system of health, but our health is at the park level in Nigeria. Thank you so much, Sadiq Omar. We appreciate your input. And to our Facebook handle here, Tom Ben is saying, good morning, the guests in the studio. The problem is who is to be punished? Is it he that always obeys the law or he that will set the law and not abiding by it? Uh, God bless Nigeria. Alexander Namani said, there is a presidential directive that a COVID-19 test is mandatory for anyone coming into Nigeria. So anyone who refuses should be compelled to go, uh, to go back to wherever he or she is coming from. Let's take more phone calls. Hello and good morning. Hello. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, my name is Hadi Slim. I'm calling from Alato. Go ahead, Mr. Slim. You see, sometimes in this part of Africa, we don't take things serious. We eliminate things. You see things like uh, they are not serious, most especially our government. There is no choice between we and them. Just giving us updates. Writing it like in board that this is the number of COVID-19. No, no proof. If up to today, people have no, have no even have the mind to believe whether COVID-19 is real. Okay, look at our health system. Everything is poor, poor, very poor. They can't even go to hospital. I will require you go to hospital. You can't even get drugs. Moreover, COVID-19. There should be the need for people are suffering. Thank you, Thank you, Haji Slim. And Nos Guang John is saying there is uh, no how people refuse taking the second test when, the, when they enter the country if the right mechanisms are put in place. It's the top people in the country that actually refuse, not the common ones. Coronavirus is real. But here in Nigeria, it has been politicized to the extent that people now doubt its existence. Punishment for those who violate the COVID-19 regulations should start from the politicians and the top government officials. They are the first to bring the virus and also the ones breaking the guidelines. Good morning. Hello and good morning. Uh, good morning, madam. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, okay. You see, people, everybody say, come in, come in, come in. And come in, okay, this is COVID-19, my sister. Come in, I've said that everybody should wear a mask. Then maintain the distance. If you cannot maintain the distance, what of this, you go to get salon, I go to, you see, parents, buy Bukutu, buy Boda Wokano, Boda and it's on yes, Boda five, but, but they cannot buy other hundred dollars for, 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 for their children, for for face mark. Go to the school as a journalist and go run. Don't know that for the face mark. You say shit now. Huh? Everything government, government, okay. If government now, I hear somebody say government not take a serious. If government just find somebody one thousand, two thousand, they say government are imposing money for people. Yeah, you have no, you have no money to eat. Everybody say I'll be hungry over in Nigeria. Okay. You are hungry. Okay. You have no money to eat. Government say okay, five thousand because you are not going to be smart. Then they will say government do bad. You caution yourself. Can't you do the needful? Everybody say government do the needful. Do you have a parent? Do you do the needful? No. You don't do the needful. Do this before you go accusing government. 
quand tu parles de l'affaissement, pour le king, il dit quand il dit que tu as dit que tu as dit que tu as dit que Thank you very much for your contribution. We appreciate. And uh, Alexander is also saying, yes, COVID-19 is real, but the enforcement of the guidelines is not effective across the country. And more phone calls. Hello and good morning. Hello, good morning, Zoe. Thank you for joining us, Madam Nada. Oh, I know you have to join us. Madam Nada has been in self-quarantine since COVID started. I've invited her severally to come on the show. She says she's not leaving her house. Oh, I got Zoe, you know what? First of all, thank God. We should thank God. God loves Nigeria. Hmm. Because the way we are going about this COVID-19, I tell you, if we, if it's not the grace of God, it's been a disaster. Now, look at the schools. The private schools, most of them are doing very well. I'm sorry I'm mentioning it, but at least people who live they are really keeping to it. When you get there, the way they did their own, there's no way you can get into that uh, school without washing your hands first. They will now take your temperature, and then they will now uh, tell you what it is. They'll give you a register. You write your name. I'm telling you, I couldn't mm. believe it, that a school can do Data that. Data and party. tracking. Yes, you know. So um, the public schools, I don't know the government, whether they have a monitoring team. I have not heard of anyone. If they don't have, since they don't have a monitoring team and start going to some of the schools, you know, at least psychologically, when they know that they, they can come, they can even make some of the schools to sit up. Then this idea of complacency, you know. Mm. Then uh, coming to the uh, the law, where you said uh, that is, they said uh, they should take the test, if they don't. If, if we have the problem, it has got to a point that people started giving faking, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, uh, COVID-19 uh, 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 negative test, you know, mm. results. Mm. It, it got to that point. So they now started refusing and said, okay, that's why you must take it. You have, you know, the tested here in Nigeria. But the problem is Nigeria. Then the nurses, we're talking about the nurses. I sympathize with the nurses in Nigeria, honestly speaking. And if you watch, if you look at the, the nurses in Nigeria, those in the private hospitals are more polite than the ones in the public hospitals. Mm. Why? It's because of the welfare. The ones in the private uh, it's not that they're paid so much, but they, 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 they are, I mean, they are, they are both, you know, they give them attention, you know, and all that, because they know they have to work, and then they have to work for their money and all that. But in the public sector, it's like, let them carry placards, we don't care. Look at the example about PPE. How can you say that you have enough PPE in the first instance? Hello? Yes, we're listening. Hello. Hello, Madam Mada, we can hear you. Hello. We can, can hear you, me? yes. Uh-huh. What I'm saying is that there are certain things that you can share. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. How can you say that um, we don't have enough PPE, they should manage it? How can you manage it in the mm. first instance? That's demoralizing. They have to be alive first now, you know. It's still unfortunate. I wish they can do something. There are a lot of brain drain now. Many, I have some relations that have migrated. They've left Nigeria, you mm. know, and they are paying them very well over there. Mm. Can you imagine? So why would you want to stay here? But I'm not encouraging them to leave, but they let the government do something about it. All these pensions for ex-governors or whatever allowances, free cars, your house in Abuja, your house in Lagos, let them follow, let them please emulate a shovel. Let them do something about it. Let them abolish all those things and, and, and put the money in the health sector. Then they, I, I commend the particular government for wanting to start this uh, health insurance scheme, but I hope it will work. 
Hmm. Because you, you, can, you can't make somebody to be on it, and the person gets to the hospital, and then they will, they will just give you an anesthetic, and then you go out again to go and buy your drugs. Hmm. So I don't know. So let's just say for this country. It shall be well with this country. Thank you, know, you so I mean, much, Madam Ada. Always a pleasure to hear from you. All right, uh, let's uh, talk about the responses we got uh, from the callers out there. Dr. Solomon. All right, so um, the responses are, you know, a good feedback. Hmm. And um, if you follow them through, you realize that the people are unanimous on the fact that um, we need to up our game, both on the side of the government and on the side of the health workers. And um, people also chided the fact that uh, um, the protocols are being flouted. And, and, and then when you, know, when you look at it critically, the people that are traveling in and, and out of the country, they are the elites, right? They are the politicians, they are the policy makers. And so that also goes to show that we need to, you know, walk seriously along that line. Much as we are talking, much as government is giving the uh, protocols, they must be seen to be walking their talk because it is only true that, that you know, we would be able to stem the tide of this virus. Of course, we have not, um, yeah, we still know that the virus came into the country through international travels. And so if we are going to, you know, um, uh, uh, finish it up, we have to also block that leakage and then contend with, with whatsoever we are having within the country. Until that is done, we will still be an open ground for, for more and more introduction of All this right. virus. Um, talk to us a little bit now concerning the Plateau State uh, Health Insurance that uh, we just heard Madam Ada uh, talk about. Yeah, so the health insurance scheme is a welcome development. It's an offshoot of the universal health coverage we are talking about. You, you understand that um, there is what we call the National Health Act of 2014. Now, the, the essence of that is to ensure that people make contributions ahead of time so that healthcare financing is enhanced, that at the time you are sick, you may not have money. But for the fact that you have made some contributions ahead of time, that source, you know, would would save you. So whether you are working or you are in business or you are in the private or you are with the government, it is advised that you join that scheme. Mm. All right. But what are the benefits of joining this scheme now? The benefits of, of joining it is that you will have health care services that are available. That are uh, that are accessible. The issue of whether they are affordable is that you already have, you know, your contributions that is going to be picked from there and used to service that. And this does not just mean you alone, but you also register along with four dependents, right? Oh. So that opens up the space. For more people to have access, but I wonder to what treatments one would get. Like uh, Madame Ada just said, I would um, hope it just will be paracetamol. Unfortunately, that has been the the abuse of the system. Mm. 
mm. most times you go basic healthcare bouquet mm. they will tell you it's not available mm. it's not in the scheme you know they refer you again to still make your your out of pocket expenses mm. so right. that has to be looked into now dr solomon you're a virologist lately we have heard uh, some latest developments concerning some strange disease in delta state and uh, i've forgotten which other state again Emo. lately Enugu. Uh, Enugu, uh, what is yeah. this strange disease phenomenon yeah so um you see i have always um not felt happy whenever i hear them say diseases are strange and sometimes they go without mention again at times they go for for months we are in an era of evidence-based medicine we are in an era of molecular diagnosis mm. we are in an era where where you, you know you can use bioinformatic tools to be able to pin down diseases down to their ancestries within just hours of of having the sample so we must go beyond that but if if for the fact that most diseases mimic you know the symptoms of others you could call it strange but within 72 hours you should be able to come out to give a clear-cut definition of whatever investigation has been done and the findings that have you know been found so i am happy that yes at the onset it was said to be strange but you know days after some samples from enugu state confirmed to you know be yellow fever so um um if if that is it then yes we are inching closer to where we are going to but we must not call you know certain diseases strange and and then allow them to to just go on and and on without proper definition and uh, you know public public in uh, yeah um uh, without proper definition and you know um uh, uh, the All right, let's, let's talk about the disease. race for the vaccine now. What's going on concerning that? Yeah, the vaccine, vaccine, um, the efforts have been on. And we had this back, you know, the guys in the U.S. are telling us that, you know, their vaccine is 90% effective, effective compared to that you know, of China. Of that, yeah. are, they, are they using this as some kind of political wager? Yeah. I mean, what is it? Who, who gets this vaccine? What does it determine for the country or the, the company? I mean, there must be something in there. Yeah. So, you know, in science, there is also what we call, you know, the... Um, you know, pride. You mm. want to be the first to come up with something. So, but it is permitted. Anybody that is compounding anything can, you know, make glowing comments. But we are asking them to release such, you know, products to an independent body to be able to do validation, to be able to do, you know, an independent search. Until that is done, you cannot be, you know, the jury over your own case. So let them get those vaccines out, whether they are 100% or less. We know that there are protocols in, you know, um, this these activities and of course they must run the full gamut of this protocol. So how is Nigeria doing concerning the race for a vaccine as well? Well, um, Nigeria has always been 
a consumer nation. Mm. In so fact, we're waiting for them to make it, then we'll beg for <laughs> it or we'll do whatever we have to do to get some down here. And since we're not putting enough efforts from what you're saying, if you're saying, in fact, we're a consumer nation, I'm already heartbreaking to, to start hearing the start of the sentence that way. Yeah. So um, you understand that in right from 1980, uh, yeah, 1980, we shut down our, our vaccine production laboratory. <laughs> we prefer to spend, you know, as much as yes, yes. yes. <laughs> this is like like um, getting to uh, like 30 years now, and you 40. know, yeah, yeah, 40. And and cumulatively, we have spent nothing less than 120, you know, billion naira in importation of vaccines within the period. So, if if we had invested that money in house, we would have had vaccine labs in hmm. all the states producing all the vaccines and you know bringing a lot of foreign a lot exchange still needs to be done in that place now uh, let's get back uh, to nurses now what has been the relationship between nurses and other health workers in the health sector <laughs> talking to you mrs grace lagner okay i think i'll just flash back to a response like the, the calls i got then i'll merge it together um, one of the callers was appreciating nurses, mm. talking about the roles we play, especially in this COVID-19 era. And I actually want to appreciate such a person. Mm, because Mata. whatever you do and you don't appreciate a person, you don't bring out the best out of the person. Mm. And that is why this team for this year was for nurses to be appreciated, to be known, for their profile to be out. Now, the, the, the relationship between nurses and other health workers, if you ask me, I would say it's, it's quite mutual. There are, there, there, are, there are disagreements that you could get in one place or the other. But when you look at it, that whatever you're doing, the consumer of your services is the patient. Then you must come back to agree so that your patient gets the best. So if you put your differences to, 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 to the center without minding that your patient suffers it, it's not going to be healthy for the patient. Now, um, what I want to digress a bit for us, one of the patients said nurses in the private hospital are more friendly than nurses in the government hospitals. Mm -hmm. I want to make an analysis for us to understand within the short period I have here. The workload in the government hospital is quite much. And like my colleague said, we are short-staffed. You will go to a ward and meet two nurses taking care of over 30 patients. That is not the ideal. Now, there was an analysis that a nurse within her shift of 8 to 12 hours lives for an approximate of 1.8 tons, which is like the weight of a hippo. Hmm. And then walking in the ward within her shift, she walks like four to five miles. Now, look at this. If she does not have an emotional and physical stamina, she cannot stand this stress. Are you getting me? Hmm. But if we have government look into this issue and try to make this work a little bit fair for nurses. Let's have enough nurses work. We are being paid for. You can't come and do what... You, you can't do extra. We have disciplinary bodies in the hospital. Savicoms are there. Our organizations are there to watch you. If you do wrong, you'll be disciplined. So, but generally I'm saying our relationship... It's, 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 it's mutual, it's fair. All right, talking mm. about midwives now and mortality rates, uh, what is going on with that? The mortality rate is quite high. Mm. Mm. Like I told you, globally, we have 22 million nurses and we have 2 million midwives. Look at the disparity. And then you go to the grassroots. 
the midwives are supposed to be the ones handling the affairs of the primary health centers because these are most of the job jurisdiction they do here, taking deliveries. Though there are some complicated deliveries that should not be handled in the primary health care. So when you look at statistically that we are even short staffed, we don't have the manpower. And then the government has made it bad that the structures we have in the grassroots is too poor. There are no infrastructures, there are no equipments for you to work with. So attending to the pregnant woman in pregnancy, childbirth, and after childbirth is difficult. And so the statistics of mortality is definitely on the increase. Hmm. All right, let's leave it there this morning. And uh, my last question to all of you, what can we do to achieve universal health coverage by 2030? Let's start with you, Dr. Solomon, in 30 seconds. Yeah, so first we, we need to lobby to convince the government that, you know, um, in the um, budgetary uh, uh, the formulation, as it were, they should stick to you know the uh, provisions. There was what we call the Abuja Declaration, which you know mandated that you know member countries should should ensure that their budget for the year that 15 percent of it is given to the healthcare sector. But if you do do um, the analysis of of our budgets as a country. It has been revolving, you know, just like 4% of that uh, uh, figure given to the healthcare system. So government needs to do more to up the game in terms of realizing accessibility and availability and affordability. Mm, all right. Thank you. And you, uh, Mrs. Grace Lagnap. Again, I want to emphasize the government needs to invest much on the health se sector. The, the, the stipends they give for health is uncalled for. Like a, a caller said, we don't need to rely on government. That I understand. We need to do our individual efforts. But the government needs to invest more on health. There should be health facilities at every look and crannies of the, the, the local governments we have in Nigeria. There should be health workers. They should employ more health workers to do the work. If not, there won't be coverage of, of, the, of health by the 2030, and then they need to allow, they, they need to go back to their health policy and allow people to practice what they have read. We have restrictions on our areas of practice. When you go outside Nigeria, you find out that there are some job jurisdictions that nurses do that, they are not done in Nigeria here. For example, go to the theater, there are minor surgeries that the perioperative nurses are allowed to do, but in Nigeria they are not allowed to do. So if you are saying nurses should take care of the grassroots, mm -hmm. give them Create a policy where they can practice, work within their competency. All right. Yeah. And you, uh, Mrs. Victoria Baye. Yes. Um, you see, there are policies that uh, government in, government out. There was a policy by one of the governments of this country about community midwifery. And that community midwifery, these midwives were sent into the interior of the country. And that reduced during that time, they assisted in the eradication of polio. But a government came and abolished that. 
they withdrew those community midwives and today the mortality rate is on the increase and we as nurses we 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 we, we collaborate with others that is what we are doing in this studio right, we are collaborating we with the media this tuesday morning and uh, we hope you have gotten the much needed information uh, nurses on song heroes and while doctors get much of their attention especially in western nations nurses and midwives make up more than 50% of health workers in many countries and we say well done to all of you keep doing the good work that you are doing the news top of the hour reaches you shortly and after that the midday show with Ogidi Bogi good morning and keep listening JFM podcast be in tune with what is happening